Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking to Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus. He is the head of football product and also host of the PFF NFL Podcast. Uh, I've, I've mentioned it on the show before. I worked with PFF for three years. I was with Steve in Cincinnati for a year. I had a blast getting to know him. He was, I guess I had two two bosses at the time steve was one of my two bosses so steve how you doing today how you feeling doing great thanks for having me man it's good to catch up a little bit and yeah you used to produce our podcast and create some cool videos for us did all sorts of stuff it was great we uh we had moved into or when i when i was there we had moved into a building that was interesting it was an old my the studio that was built was inside an old bank vault which was uh, pretty cool and then there was a tiny little podcast studio in the corner that was essentially a very large closet i think they had used it to store i think it was a bank at one point or there was a vault or something and then also the building stored film that is very uh it can burn really easy so they had these like big heavy sliding doors and we would podcast in this little closet with this giant door and for anyone listening out steve is like 6'10 steve's really tall I'm a fairly big guy. There was another guy, Sam. He was not too big, but there was three of us very, very tight in a closet. I feel like we we really bonded in those moments, Steve. <laughs> Did we even all fit in that room? I thought only Sam and I were allowed in there at a given time because it was so small. I mean, it was it was funny, though. Yeah, small room. We, we did, I mean, I was in there. It would get so hot sometimes when we were recording. <laughs> yes. We would be like right on top of each other. We're even more long winded now than we were back then. So it would be it would be that much <laughs> that much worse. I remember one time you guys, what was it? You guys were talking about like a, a backup Panthers quarterback situation. And for the most part, I was like, you know, this podcast is good. These guys are insightful. But every once in a while, I would be like, hey, you know, let's try to structure the show this way or like, hey, let's kind of move on. And I remember you guys spent like 20 minutes talking about some like obscure preseason player. And I remember I like, giving you the like the hurry up finger like in a circle. <laughs> I was like, come on, let's move to this. Sounds about right. Yes. <laughs> Again, like, we haven't times. changed. We have not changed. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So I wanted to have you on the show because obviously you cover football at Pro Football Focus. We're a basketball data podcast company. Uh, but I wanted to talk about your story kind of navigating the sports analytics industry because you've been in it a long time and you've been successful. So uh, the first half of the show, I kind of want to talk about your career and sort of figuring out the industry and moving up in it. And then the second half, I want to talk about sports data and, you know, maybe pick your brain, see what we can learn in the basketball industry about what you guys have discovered in football. So you're the first guest I've had to pull up a bass or a baseball reference page for. Uh, you're a minor league pitcher. How does a company like Pro Football Focus get on your radar and how do you start working? Be careful on that baseball reference page. There's certain years you want to look at and others you don't want to look at. So just look at the good <laughs> stats there. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I was always a big football fan. I I was very I've always been very analytical. And even as a minor league baseball player, you know, I'm 6'10, went undrafted, and I I studied pitching. I studied uh pitching driven, pitching specific workouts, all those different things. I was very analytical to kind of just have an eight year minor league career that topped out at triple a. So that was just kind of my, that's just, just kind of how I'm wired. So I would study pitching and, you know, study my mechanics and, you know, increase my velocity. And that's what really gave me an opportunity. 
And then there was a point in my baseball career where not that I'd arrived or anything, but I realized, hey, I, I can compete at the major league level. Don't overthink stuff. Just go out and execute. So I actually needed to uh, put my analytical hat on somewhere else besides besides pitching for a couple of years and just kind of, you know, take care of business. So that was that was where I just started to really study football. Um, always loved football. Always a big fan. But that, that was kind of like my get away from baseball time where I would um, watch football, study football while I was still a baseball player. That was my hobby time. Um, and then it turned into I found pro football focus um, by listening to the radio one time. And somebody on the radio had just found the website and were looking up somebody's run blocking grades. And I was like, this is amazing. Are you kidding me? Somebody's quantifying run blocking. And I started <laughs> reading PFF and yeah, I found it and I was printing out these player participation spreadsheets because I found it fascinating how teams used to, you know, how they substitute and their nickel package versus their base package. I was just interested in just the weirdest stuff. And um, which seemed like a good fit for um, for PFF. <laughs> so I just used it as a fan. I'm like, this is amazing. They're telling me that this one linebacker who had three tackles had a better game than this other linebacker on the same team who had 14 tackles. That's amazing. Like somebody's actually quantifying football in a different way. So I just became a fan. Um, everything was free on the website. One year the, they decided to charge money for people. Uh, to, and I was a poor minor league baseball player, so I couldn't afford the hundred bucks. And I was very upset. And I send an email to the company like, hey, guys, come on, just give me your data. And they're like, no, nah, sorry, we're going to make, you know, we're a business here. Um, so I went without the data for a year and I only read the articles. And, you know, long story short, that's it. Right. Uh, the next year I said, all right, what if I just offer to work for them and I'll get the data for free? Because I know they needed people to chart games. So I just sent an email from my old like AOL account and said, do you need help? And they said, yes, we always need help. Here's a practice game. <laughs> So they sent me a practice game. Um, it, it's the 2011 football uh, baseball season. It's August, just before the football season starts. And we had like four days of rain where I was playing. It was ridiculous. I couldn't leave the house for four days. We got rained out for four straight days on a homestand. And I'd spent all that time doing a player participation practice game for, for PFF, which was chart every where everybody lines up on the field on every play. And it took probably 12 hours for the game. You know, I'm just on and you know, on and off practicing this game. They send me another game. I do really well with it. And before you know it, there I am. I'm doing player participation part-time with PFF because I had to do it at 99.5% accuracy. And I was there. I was in that range. <laughs> okay. For anyone that's never done this, the player participation, it is very difficult because you're doing it off the TV broadcast. Yes. When players substitute, when it's like a safety or heaven forbid an offensive line, because offensive line for the most part stays in the game, but occasionally, I don't know if there's like an injury you don't catch or something. So I also did this when I applied to PFF and I was the opposite. I was so bad at it when I submitted it. The per I remember the email I got back. I remember like my stomach just fell or if my, my heart fell from my chest into my stomach where I was like, oh no, I'm really bad at this. And also this is really hard. And I sent an email and I was like, hey, can I help in like some of, do you guys have an easier Something else. job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny, man. I mean, and the other thing was, I mean, at the time there was maybe 15 of us doing part-time player participation. I mean, within three years we were getting a thousand applicants and only taking 10. You know, so it's one of those right place, right time stories. I wasn't the best at it, but I was good enough for 2011. And that, you know, just kind of helped get my foot in the door. I was 
part-time for that one year. They hired me full-time. The next year I learned how to grade. They taught me how to do the grading part of the analysis. Um, I don't know if you can hear my kids screaming in the background, but it's <laughs> no, you're good. You're great. good. It's part of the features here. Um, so they taught me how to do the analysis and, you know, the rest is history. So I just became a, the sixth full-time employee at PFF. And uh, I, 2011 was my last year playing baseball in 2012. I was hired full-time at PFF. I was most likely retiring. Um, Jose Canseco ended my baseball career. I was going to play for one more year. He came back, <laughs> stole my roster spot. It's a whole other deal. Um, <laughs> I, I, you never told me that before. You never heard that whole story. I mean, so um, in 2011, I was still playing independent ball. My opportunity to make it to the majors was probably over, but I was going to give it like one last shot. So it was 2012. I was going to play for one more season somewhat close to home with the Worcester Tornadoes. I played with them seven <laughs> years earlier and I was just going to finish my career, retire, get married in the fall and then transition to PFF. And so they, they signed me, they were about to sign me to the team and they said, and you're only allowed four veteran spots in these independent ball rosters. And I was one of the veterans and they said, sorry, um, Jose Canseco wants to come out of retirement and play for us and pitch and play outfield and DH and all this stuff. So we're going to take him instead. So they took Jose Canseco because he's a big name. And um, <laughs> I was just, I was just going to like, you know, be the closer for the year and just kind of ride off into the sunset. Not that anybody cares. Um, so I just didn't play that year. So that was it. Jose Canseco ended my my baseball career. <laughs> well, little did they know they could have said, you know, this team or on this team, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it is, we have the head of football product at Pro Football Focus, Steve <laughs> Palazzolo, played on this team. Hindsight, I you've done more than Canseco in the last 10 years. Thank so that you. was a yeah. that that was a incorrect judgment call by the GM yes. of that indie ball team. Look at that. I appreciate it. The uh <laughs> yeah, there you go. A comeback story here compared to Canseco over these last 10 years so yeah it's so, just been off to the races basically since then at PFF wore every hat after that and you know here we are so so take us through that journey of uh you know breaking in right getting a job at a company because sometimes it's really difficult like you said sometimes it's got to be right place right time honestly that's me with basketball index during COVID started emailing Tim who who runs it over here and I you know started sending him things and it, it was the right time and now there's a lot more emails in his inbox it's a lot harder to get through but you make it into PFF and PFF is interesting because it's a public company that they they do a lot of what we would kind of call like box score data stuff in basketball but then they also hand chart a ton of things so once you get in you know you're you're doing the player participation you move to grading and talk a little bit behind the scenes of you know you go from there there still are guys at pff that just grade games or whatever it may be but how do you move to oh you know i'll you know i'll do the podcast or i'll do you know this that or whatever kind of take me through just touching on the different jobs you you did at PFF and still do and kind of how you maneuver that. Because I think for a lot of people, sometimes it's hard once you get into a company, you're like, I want to work here, but I want to do other things. And I feel like sometimes it's unclear how to how to move up. Like what what were kind of your paths to kind of rising to where you are? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there because we were we were a startup, so every company is going to be different. But we were a startup, as I mentioned, I was the sixth full time employee. Within a year, there's probably eight of us, um, and say within two years, there's about ten of us. 
and we were doing everything. And we also didn't necessarily have a vision for the company. You know, founder was Neil Hornsby. He was from from England. And he this was his hobby. And he was, you know, they paid us a little bit of money and uh, we were kind of moving forward. And we some NFL teams were taking notice and we had a product on our website. But we didn't have this like grand vision other than like, let's see where this is taking us because it continues to grow. We just knew that it continued to grow. And so basically in the early days, the number one job was collecting data. It was the most important thing, right? If you, we didn't have our data, um, we didn't have anything. So we all had to collect data. So we all graded games. We all did player participation, whatever data collection needed to be done first. And then after that, you would finish, a, you know, grading a game, say, and then you do a game write-up. And um, I was always half decent at the writing, I'd say, or at least explaining what I saw. And so I kind of liked the writing. And before you know, it, we just decided to start a podcast, you know, because we said, hey, we have all this data and we're on this somewhat early days of Twitter. We're on Twitter all the time telling people how smart we are. And we you think this guard is good and we're telling you otherwise. Or you think this quarterback <laughs> had a good game and we're saying the opposite. So we had to defend ourselves all the time, explain ourselves and add context. So the podcast just became a, a medium that made sense. And again, we're all just working multiple jobs. So. Neil Hornsby, who's our founder, he would grade games. And then, you know, he's our business person. And we had another person who was uh, doing payroll and another guy was an editor. And so we're all just doing whatever was needed to move our website forward. Um, we did reports for teams. We would either do individual reports or uh, reports for agents. And we all just kind of split the work. However, it made sense. Um, and of all the people in the company, Sam and I, who you mentioned earlier, Sam, um, Sam and I were probably just, just the best at conveying our, our thoughts. You know, we all have different skill sets. If we put, you know, Ben Stockwell is the name of the guy that created our grading system. He is unbelievable at business process and, you know, the grading component and understanding football and all these different things, but he wouldn't be great on a podcast. So we didn't put him on a, pod, a podcast. So everybody kind of find, found their own roles and Sam and I were, the best at probably writing and speaking about uh, PFF information. So we just kind of did that. Um, within a few years, you know, Chris Collinsworth buys the company and we start doing college football. And I always took a lot of interest into college football and talking about the draft. So I became our draft expert because I, again, I knew how to interpret our data and discuss it. So that became my role for a little bit. Um, eventually we decided to start moving to video and, uh, a little bit more from an audio perspective. So I managed the video department for a while, you know? So again, it was, it was very much opportunity driven. I was never fully equipped for any role necessarily. Right. You know, I, right. I became a product manager with no product managing experience, but I knew, <laughs> I knew PFF data, right. I knew what our products are. I knew what I wanted them to be. And so I learned product managing along the way and how to deal with developers or work with developers and, um, create uh, deal with deal with developers. deal with you know they're not listening to me they know what I'm, they know what i'm saying um so yeah uh, there's again there's no real path i think you just kind of lean into your skills and uh, product managing is interesting because it's not a it's like a very new uh job basically over the last 20 years or so and you know the more you research about it again there's like no how to become a product manager but the most important thing is probably product knowledge and so I had a ton of product knowledge. So I just kind of figured out, you know, the mechanics of product managing. I'm still figuring them out. So 
yeah, it's been an interesting journey because it's really just where's the opportunity within the company, try to fill it, try to fill a hole within the company. I think that's a big one. You know, your your comp your company has a need. Can you fill it? Um, sometimes it's a new idea. Sometimes it's, you know, something you've always wanted to get to. So again, like the video department, we started our our YouTube channel from scratch a few years ago. And you know, it was just a thing we wanted to do for a while and somebody had to take it and run with it. So I was one of the people that did that. So yeah, that's kind of how I've ended up wearing so many hats, you know, part necessity and part just, you know, filling needs along the way. I mean, heck, you learned to do your own makeup for the videos. I did. I did. You know, you get taught one time. We hired a woman, probably paid her a ton of money to come in one day, teach us how to apply our makeup. And then that was it. You know, then you're on your own. You go do it. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I actually I was I was there that day, I think, when that happened. That's funny. Um, yeah. and, and I remember you and Sam went into the uh, went to the bathroom and you guys had your little makeup kits and you guys were like, well, I guess we're going to figure out how to do this. <laughs> um, yep, that, that's, that's what it was. I, <laughs> I like what you had to say there because I've talked to a, a few people now that have been pretty successful in this industry. And I think it, it goes beyond sports analytics, right? If you're at a company, especially a maturing company that's getting larger, that is wanting to add things, wanting to do new things, like you don't always have a video editor or you don't always have a lighting guy or whatever it is you want to extend into. And, you know, being curious and also driven to like, well, I want to learn how to do this and I guess I'm going to learn how to do this. And <laughs> there's there's just so many stories I've heard of people like we had a need or we had a problem or we had an opportunity and I just kind of jumped on it and kind of made it happen on, you know, on some level yeah. with the help of others. And I, I feel like that's just the the best way to be successful from the, the people that I've heard. Uh, that, that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway so far. Um, but you've talked about kind of, you know, figuring out what you guys need and, and sort of just filling any hole that, that exists in your company. Now that you are the head of football product at Pro Football Focus, what does this job look like kind of on the day to day or the month to month? Yeah, I mean, just a really quick piggyback on what you said, too, that I did forget to mention. Uh, I, I ended up getting the role that I'm in right now, being head of product, because um you mentioned curious, right? I've always been super curious, but also I've known that there were really good answers within the PFF data. And, you know, eventually by 2018, every NFL team was buying PFF data. Um, and mm. now, and then almost, and we're one college team away from having every FBS team. And wow. there's probably 60 FCS teams and CFL, XFL, USFL, everybody uses our database. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's great. And if you asked a team, you know, what, what do you get from the PFF data? They'll be like, oh, you know, we, we, we just, we research, we do our, you know, pregame scouting. We, we scout for the week. We do off season scouting. We game plan. We do all sorts of stuff. And I was like, man, there's answers in here. You know, there's, um, analytics departments use this as well. Um, but I said, you know, there's answers in the data, right? We actually could be, and should be influencing teams, in the draft and in free agency and in team building. Um, and so that level of curiosity pushed me to to go to Neil when he was still the boss here and say, we need to not just sell our base package. We need something new where our new data science team and all of our, all the insights that we can glean from our data become a new product. And we call him and, mm. and he basically agreed um, because we usually just sell our data in like one big chunk, you know, chunk package basically. Like you get access or whatever. 
yeah, you get you just get one all of our data and our um the software, the basic software that comes with it. It's it's not basic. I mean, it's pretty advanced, ultimate. Um, but my point was that there's something more here. Like we when we draw insights, that's a whole separate product. So that was my vision. I became product manager for the new product of PFFIQ. And as that had started taking off, I just took over all of our, all the products that we sell to teams basically. So um, that's the raw data delivery. That's um, our PFF ultimate package, which again, you could just, you know, log in and see all the third and sevens under pressure that Joe Burrow had, or, you know, watch them on video and all that fun stuff. Um, So that's what I'm doing now, which, so that's basically any offering for a team or for agents or for the media um, so not on our consumer side, any of those products all come through me, work with our development team and basically just try to prioritize what we need to work on next. And that's a combination of, you know, maintaining what we currently have, our current deliveries, may, uh, getting feedback from all of our clients and implementing it, prioritizing that feedback, um, but also building new, which again is PFFIQ, which is um, basically the insights that we can draw from our data. You know, who are the most valuable players? How much are they worth? Um, gems in the draft, all of that stuff is uh, easier to pull out of PFFIQ. Um, so that's really my day to day is thinking about what are we delivering to teams? What are we delivering to our clients, making sure that they're happy, and then also figuring out what those next pieces are that we can deliver to just continue to add value and, and grow the company. That's really interesting because what I'm hearing is like you were saying, you know, you could before you could just pay and then you just get access to, you know, a a large, large amount of data where it's like you can draw whatever conclusions you would like to from this data. And it sounds like what you're doing now is you're having the vision of using the data yourself and drawing conclusions where you're like, oh, I've kind of figured this out. Like right now I'm working on something to relate this back to basketball is so basically at, at basketball index, we have two types of bigs, right? Which traditionally is like your center, maybe your power forward. It's anchor big and it's mobile big and anchor bigs. Uh, they play drop coverage, which is a type of pick and roll coverage, and they stand next to the basket most of the time because they're very tall and they're very good at protecting the basket. And then mobile bigs are oftentimes like a little bit smaller in comparison, a little bit shorter, and they do a lot better on the perimeter. They guard a lot better on the perimeter. They can switch. They can hold their own out there. So we have those two designations of like, these are what these players are doing. It's sort of like when you guys at Pro Football Focus, they they were like, hey, there's all this, there's three, four and four, three, and there's D defensive tackles and noses and then you guys invented edge which was just like anytime you're pass rushing from like the outside of the formation it doesn't matter what formation you're in you are just an edge and so we kind of did the same thing with basketball uh, basketball with our roles and right now i'm kind of tinkering with okay what will be the best four or five or seven stats to combine for I want to look at our mobile picks because that's kind of the way the NBA is going. If you can have guys that can switch out on the perimeter that are 6'10 and hang with guards, those guys are super valuable. And now I'm like, okay, how do I, you know, not only like right now, you can just get access to basketball index, five bucks a month, super cheap, same, you know, data that agents and front offices are using. And you can come up with whatever conclusion you would like about players based on the research you do on the website, which is great. Uh, But like you said, kind of that thing of, Okay, do I have the vision to try to make a mobile big grade where it's like, 
what are the things we want to hit on that we take away from the data that we use in our own analysis when you know we go on a podcast, we write an article or whatever it is. And I feel like that is valuable. Like you said, where you were like, I'm very literate in the PFF data. I feel like that's a really interesting, it's an interesting job to have that you're doing. And I feel like you you need to have, I guess this is a long way of saying, you need to have the expertise with the data you're using, but also the vision of like, hey, these are the things I see that are important in the, the, the actual NFL games. This is the data we have. How can we, you know, build it together like Legos or make a Frankenstein monster model that can, you know, help predict some of the things I think are important that I'm seeing in the games. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. You're, you're asking good questions, man, but like you got, <laughs> but that's what it is, right? You got to ask questions and, um, and see where the answers lead you. I think that's awesome. You know, it, it seems like a lot of basketball is figuring out how pieces fit together on the court. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, and of course, there's a financial component to that, but you have fewer players, and it's it's how do five players play together is is a big part of the analysis. I think with football, it's um, it's more broad, it's more team building and resource allocation, and um, that stuff's always been fascinating to me because because we've been working with every NFL team for years now, as I mentioned, and it's literally 32 different businesses and 32 different business models. And they all come to slightly different conclusions or just, they just have th different ways of doing things. And mm. I'm not saying that we're all going to like research the perfect way to do things, but there are insights that you can glean that apply to everybody. And so that's what I'm always chasing, right? What are the insights that anybody can apply? And I think those are the fascinating things because we're, there's still just scratching the surface when it comes to football data. And I think, yeah, that curiosity and knowing how to use the data to, to find some of those answers is, is part of the fun. So before we get you out of here, let's switch to, I want to talk a little bit more about sports data. So I wanted to talk to you about what is kind of on the cutting edge of football analytics right now, because I'd say for basketball, the biggest change in the last few years is the access to shot quality where it's like, you know, is it LeBron James dribbling five times and taking a step back three versus some very tall European man standing in the corner that, you know, LeBron drives and kicks it out to him. He's all alone and then he makes that shot. So now we're using shot quality to sort of decide whose jobs are more difficult or give extra credit to people doing more difficult things. Um, what would you say is kind of on the cutting edge for you guys right now in football analytics? So I think for us at PFF, um, we created a war model, the wins above replacement model a couple of years ago. Um, it's only that's, that's a PFF IQ exclusive data point, you know, so about half the NFL has that chunk of uh, college teams. I think there's a lot to be gleaned from that because there's a pretty high correlation with having war on your team, a high war number and a lot of wins, but you know, mm -hmm. a correlation between war and wins. There's a, um, so I think just projecting, you know, oversimplifying and projecting that one number effectively and making some team building decisions around that. Um, player tracking data has been a, a big part of football for a few years now using, you know, chips in the shoulder pads at the NFL level. In college, they just started doing more computer vision type of work the last couple of years. So we, we've just gotten our hands on that database over the last couple of years. I think, I think there's some help there, but maybe my initial feeling is there's not as much as 
people would have liked. Um, but we do have things like the big data bowl every single year at the at the combine where just a lot of smart people you know, solve problems using uh, using that tracking data. And they've come up with some interesting insights. So I think there's still more to explore when it comes to tracking data. Um, and we've also just seen a lot of good changes in the NFL, things like uh, coaches going forward on fourth down far more often than ever. Uh, I think the I think the draft and free agency, I think you're seeing fewer teams going way off on their own path. That is, um, I don't want to say egregious, but, you know, clearly <laughs> you know, spending way too much money on a few players that, you know, that that should that they shouldn't or whatever it might be. I think you're seeing some 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 analysis within organizations come through uh, both on the field and in the off season, which is interesting. So, you know, frontier wise though, I think it's, you know, more, more tracking data and more, I'm always looking for better uh, team building decisions at the NFL level because there's finances involved and now at the college level, because there's a whole transfer portal and we've done a ton of work there to help college teams navigate that new world uh, with the portal and trying to figure out how to, how to build their team um, at the college level. You know, I just realized we might be hurting ourselves here. If we solve a lot of the player value questions with things like war, it's really going to hurt our content creation because I'm going to be honest, I had a I had a podcast a few weeks back that was the top 10 worst contracts in the NBA right now. And that was by far the best in terms of listenership that we've had all People offseason. Love negative. They love the <laughs> negative stuff. They they really do. I I bounced out. I did right after that a top ten best. Nobody so I, you know to tried that. to. Nobody cares. Just, it, it it got less listens. Like, I'll be honest. It got less listens. But people do like when you skew negative. All right, we're gonna get you out of here. One last question. Uh, any advice to people looking to break into the sports analytics field? I feel like everybody who gets this question says, "Do something unique." You know, set do something to separate yourself. But it's. It's kind of the truth. I think I think you you are. I've said this before, but you're only as good as the questions that you ask. So find um, and you have to. So you got to ask a question and you got to solve a problem. Um, I did learn that. That's that's essentially what I do as a as a product manager, and I had to learn this the hard way. I was a solutions person. I would just yell out what the solution was to <laughs> something, and then you know, Neil. <laughs> who's a very process oriented person would be like, I, I don't even know what the problem is. Could you tell me what the problem is? You know, so I, it took me a few years to learn this, but you define the problem first and then you could come up with five different solutions and then you get to choose the best solution out of those five. Um, so I would say be a identify the problem type of person and then identify solutions and pick the best solution. And, and that's, I think how you, and that's very process and, Producty and all that, but it's really how you saw that's that's filling holes that need to be filled, right? That's solving problems that need to be solved. So identify problems in the marketplace, whatever those might be. Solve people's problems. That's how you get ahead. I, a former NFL GM that I'm friends with basically said the same thing, right? You find somebody's pain point and you know make it easier, ease ease their pain point. So I think. That's one specific way to do it. And again, the other thing is just do ask really good questions, do really fun research that's different and might separate yourself. I really like that a lot because I, I feel like me and you are, are similar in some ways, whereas like I'm definitely the type of person that yells out solutions all day long. I still and probably do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little, I'm like, wait, why isn't anyone responding to this? This is a good answer. Like this is, yeah. this is a really good answer. Why is no one? And I, I really like that. Identify a problem. I, I, I will definitely, the nugget I take away from this episode, I always tell people like, oh, there's always like two or three good nuggets, you know, in every podcast you listen to that you really want to take store away for later. I feel like that, I really like that answer. And I feel like that's something I'm like going to start trying to apply today if not tomorrow so awesome it's it's uh, amazing how my world has changed when i started looking at it through that lens and i tell other people tell me what the problem is that you're trying to solve and they're like what (laughs) What are you talking about uh all right steve palazzolo thanks for coming on head of football product over at pff he's also the host of the pff nfl podcast if you like the nfl or if you like analytics this is a really good podcast i actually this is how i got in touch with pff i was working at a hotel i was a shuttle driver at a ton of downtime and i would just sit and i would just listen to episodes of Steve and then Sam Monson, the other host, talk up NFL, get really in depth, talk about, like you said, it's not the linebacker with the most amount of tackles. If you actually analyze the game, you can figure out who's playing the best. Um, Steve, what is your Twitter handle? You've been tweeting up a storm lately. Oh, yeah. So at PFF underscore Steve. I'm back, back on Twitter recently here. (laughs) All right, Steve Palazzolo, thanks for coming on the show, talking about navigating the sports analytics industry. My name is Taylor. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.